Hello, this is Bob Regneris, co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. I do this podcast to help me and my listeners keep up with the latest ideas that matter most in the quickly changing and somewhat overwhelming world of modern marketing and sales. My day job is running a marketing agency that helps manufacturers and industrial companies grow their revenue. To learn more about the problems we solve and how we do it, visit salesartillery.com. All right, enough yakking. Let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Bob Regneris to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the book he's co-authored with Perry Marshall and Thomas Maloche, Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, published by Entrepreneur Press. Bob Regneris is a marketing coach, author, speaker, and entrepreneur. He's the co-founder of Feed Stories, a video sales and marketing agency in Chicago, since way back in 1998, he has been helping his clients achieve more impact, traffic, and sales through digital media and storytelling. Bob has served hundreds of client companies, written six books, and trained tens of thousands of individuals. And interesting fact, Bob has been coaching youth basketball for 35 years. Bob, congratulations on Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Great to be here, Douglas. And this is a much different winner than I've experienced in my entire career. Is This is the first winner in those 35 years that I am not on the sidelines due to COVID. How about oh, that? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's hope uh, for your sake and for all your uh, all the youth that you coach uh, that you, you get back out there. Uh, I enjoyed the references in the book to your coach, and they were really <laughs> super applicable. Um now, I did notice because I, you know, I really dig into the trivia of the uh, guests on the show that you are a big uh, Chicago Blackhawks fan and yeah. a uh, White Sox baseball team fan. You coach basketball, but you're not a big Chicago Bulls fan? Well, I am a huge Chicago Bulls fan, but I am from the era of the 80s and 90s and you know, that's that's kind of my era. So if you look around my office, I've got Blackhawks, Sox, and vintage Bulls stuff. So I was actually there, Douglas, in 1992 when the Bulls won their second championship. It was a come-from-behind victory, uh, and Michael Jordan jumped on the scorer's table with the basketball after the game. So I am a diehard Bulls fan. I just don't like what's been happening the last two decades with the franchise. Oh, okay, okay. All right, because I think uh, as a resident of Chicagoland, you are required by law to, to be rooting for the Bulls. Oh, definitely root for them. But, you know, the, the basis of being a sports fan is you get to criticize the team because you could always do much better than the people in charge. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, you know, it's just like having teenage kids, I suppose. <laughs> which, get which, of, which, of which I've had two. Yes, yes, two daughters. So I should mention, I interviewed uh, one of your co-authors, Perry Marshall, for episode 158 about three years ago about his uh, book, 8020 uh, Sales and Marketing. And it was a great fun, terrific book. And I also noticed that about the same time your book came out, uh, he and a couple other guys came out with Ultimate Guide to Google Ads, the, the sixth edition. Yeah. Perry's kind of the primary author of the Ultimate Guide series for both Google and Facebook. So the Google Guide actually just came out in its seventh edition. He and Mike Rhodes and Brian Todd put that together. That was published in November 2020. And the fourth edition of the Ultimate Guide uh, was published, uh, of course, in October of 2020. So for I'm Facebook. the for Facebook. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm the I'm the new primary co-author uh, so to speak. Um, you know, it's a collaborative effort as 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 you well know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I took I took over and did a complete rewrite of the third edition. It's about 90%, 95% new content. So, mm. um, a complete rewrite from the last edition which was published in 2017. Okay. Well, I know that you live uh, pretty near Perry Marshall. So next time you're over at the house and you're watching, oh, I don't know, maybe a a Bears game, (laughs) uh, tell him I'd love to have him come back on uh, or one of his co-authors to talk about that uh, ultimate guide to Google ads. Because after 300 and something interviews, this is the first book I've had on the show about Facebook advertising. And I haven't had one about specifically uh, Google ads. Uh, So just, just an idea, Bob. Just you know. I, I would be, I will be honored to make the introduction, <laughs> and uh, I will make that happen. Thank you. So we are going to talk about Facebook advertising, but and I'm saying this to the listener because you may be thinking, uh, we don't do Facebook advertising. It's irrelevant. It's uh, silly. But listen to this. Nearly everything I'm going to ask Bob about has lessons and implications for any kind of marketing, whether you're doing Facebook advertising or not. So this book is almost. 400 pages and a lot of great concepts, things that I wasn't aware of with Facebook. And what was also funny is I realized how I've been buying based on ads I see on Facebook. So it's like, oh, I see how they did it now. They got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they're doing it right though. (laughs) They're (laughs) they're sending me things that they know I'm interested in. I bought a Christmas present for my daughter. I bought some uh, uh, buying stuff uh, because they know I'm a motorcycle owner and it's just, it's uh, well played you Facebook advertisers. Well, you know, Douglas, when it's done right, it's it feels like you've had a really good experience, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's what, what I'm kind of trying to do with this book is teach advertisers the right way to approach it. And the way you had described is you were targeted properly. There was creative that connected with you emotionally, and you had a really good experience. And that's ultimately what Facebook wants. The, the user has a great experience. The advertiser has a great experience. If those two things happen, Facebook is very happy. Yeah, it's as if I were thinking, thank you, after after the whole thing was over, you know? So David Ogilvy was one of the icons of the advertising industry in the 20th century, and his book, Ogilvy on Advertising, was one of two books that really had a big impact on my career. And that was, I read that back in the 1980s after I got out of the army, and I decided I want to go into advertising, and, uh, and, and it was great. And I Ogilvy was a real student and admirer of the direct marketing people. And because he studied that so closely, it always made his advertising so much better. And it occurred to me that modern marketers, whether they're doing Facebook advertising or not, if they study what Facebook advertisers are doing, they're going to be better marketers. And that's 
again, kind of what I was talking about, the things that I want to uh, ask you about that. Before we get started, though, I have to ask a really important or you know dumb question, and I'm sure some listeners are wondering about, can Facebook advertising be used for business to business? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and we could dig into the details of that, but I have many clients that I coach and work with, Douglas, that are having tremendous success using Facebook ads in a B2B environment. Yes. Even what somebody might think of as boring commodity products. And you even talk, you have examples in your book of commodity products that did <laughs> well on uh, advertising. In fact, it was uh, check printers. Lo and behold, today a, a fresh stack of checks showed up. So I was thinking about you. So let me read just uh, three quick excerpts from the very beginning, and then we can uh, take off. So people are walking down the street, banging into light poles because their faces are buried in Facebook. Therein lies your opportunity. The most precious commodity in the world is attention. Everyone likes to be in the spotlight, and social media has given everyday people the opportunity to become internet famous. Facebook is monopolizing it and chomping at it like a hungry beast. The average American spends five hours per day on their smartphone and over 60 minutes on Facebook, according to a study by Provision Living. Wherever you are right now, look up and somebody around you is probably on Facebook. This book is about how to get in front of those people, convince them to open their wallets and then dominate markets because you're better at this game than all your competitors. And now Facebook has become, you could argue, an increasingly controversial uh, platform. They're in the news a lot. It's, it's uh, you know, good or bad. Yeah. I, and I want to address that. And this is from the part of the book that the very beginning when Perry writes, is Facebook good or bad? Okay, let's just get this out of the way right now. <laughs> I do not think it is a good thing that a billion people are spending this much time on Facebook. I didn't think it was a good thing when the same number of people were watching TV for five hours a day either. But nobody asked me, and they didn't ask you. That's just what people do. If you're going to be successful as a marketer or entrepreneur, you must choose to live in the is world, not the should be world. The is In the is world, 95% of people float around in a miasma of mild hypnosis, looking forward to their next hit of like and share hats or to extract their pound of flesh out of some stranger who disagrees with them about politics. This book is about how you get inside the minds of Facebook users and get them to do what you want them to do, whether you're doing business for a church, as a school, a winery, a life coach, a car manufacturer, or a seller of aluminum siding. You've got a job to do. People are going to spend their time and money somewhere. If they spend their time and money with you, you succeed. If they spend it with someone else, you fail. The fact that people are in a state of partial hypnosis provides a platform where you can sell them your product or service. In this book, you'll learn how to harness that power. However, one last caveat. I'm sorry about all these quotes, but he writes, this is a book about making money on Facebook, not screwing around on Facebook. Facebook ads is a serious endeavor. It's a profession. You will get nowhere with those bad habits. You'll either pull the strings of the matrix from outside the matrix, or you're in the matrix being entertained by the matrix. You can't do both. Why is that distinction so important uh, to be made? Is that because you see a lot of people who think they're engaging in Facebook advertising who are really just farting around? Well, any media like that, Douglas, is, 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 has the potential of being uh, a detriment to you. And, and I think what Perry, I just love the way Perry put it, is that 
the media doesn't control you, you control the media. That's that's essentially the lesson here is that we want to leverage the media for what we want. Sounds very selfish, sounds very egocentric, but we're we're in the business here to generate a profit, to do good in the world. And if we would be slave to that media and we we get sucked into the media, we're wasting time, we're we're wasting effort that we should be putting into promoting our products and our services. We can't do the good in the world that we're here to do if we're wasting time. And that's that's the meaning of this. So the people that want to get on their high horse and say, well, Facebook is a place to waste time. Well, yes, it is, but it's not our job to police and 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 say, this is why somebody should use Facebook. We just need to understand that our customers are there waiting for us. So we need to be there and be present with them. And I would say the same thing for Google ads, for YouTube ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads. If your audience is there, it's not on us how they're using it or why they're using it. It's it's on us as a business to be there so that we can do the good in the world that we're here to do. It reminds me of that quote from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when Alec Baldwin said, the money's out there, you just got to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> where, where he, you know, he was he's saying this is an opportunity. You're describing an opportunity. Whatever. If is it a place yeah. where people waste time? Fine. You know, I I came from the ad world and people wasted time watching television, and I I profited handsomely from that. So right, it's, it's the same thing. So well, you remember in the movie Douglas that they were complaining about the leads, right? And yeah. Alex was like the the leads are fine. It's you, and I think that you can say the same thing now. Well, Facebook is just a place where people argue about politics and religion. Well, that may be the case. However, you just proved it at the top of this interview. You saw an ad and you responded. I've done the same thing. You know, I've bought things from Facebook in the last thirty days, and I guarantee a majority of the people who are listening to this interview have taken that action. So look at your own self and say, hey, you know, it got me. So why can't I be there doing the same thing? Absolutely. And I don't fault those advertisers for doing it. I know it's hard to break through, but it was a product that I needed. In fact, they were both of them they were actually uh, safety products to mm. have a, a safer uh, bike ride. So Google, Facebook, and Amazon are the top three digital ad, pl- ad platforms in the, in the U.S. And according to one uh, article from Marketing Land, I saw that they, they capture like about 70% of all the digital ad dollars spent. So the, just on those three sites <laughs> and, and Google's in first place right now. But in the right. book, uh, you write that even with Google's big lead, Facebook will possibly become the world's largest advertising site. Uh, why, why is it that they're, why and how are they going to actually take over Google? Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a prediction. Obviously it's, it's looking in the future, but you know, unless the government steps in the way, Facebook has been on a, a just like Google has done, uh, purchasing platforms, places to show their advertising. So, you know, the, the, the purchase of Instagram, the purchase of WhatsApp, um, you know, again, with, with, without government stepping in saying you can't do it. And, you know, certainly that's on the table at this point. But the way that Facebook is going to grow and the Facebook, the way Facebook needs to grow is advertising revenue. And the only way to increase advertising revenue when you have a limited capacity is to go increase that capacity. So uh, again, unless I think the government steps in and says you can't do it anymore, Facebook is still going to be pursuing that strategy of, of more and more places for for us advertisers to share our ads with mm. their users. And you write that Facebook has the potential to be highly relevant for decades to come because I always hear people saying, oh, it's going to be like 
it's going to be the it's going to be yesterday's news. <laughs> the book <laughs> explains that don't don't bet on Facebook becoming irrelevant anytime soon. But I found it interesting uh, that you said Google is scared to death of Facebook. Why is that? Well, I think each company, quite frankly, has has a healthy paranoia for each other, and I think that's good for us as users. I think it's good for us as advertisers. Um, you know, when when Facebook can say that the average user spends about an hour a day, Google wishes they had that kind of uh, time. Now, the reason they purchase YouTube, of course, is to is to cut in that share. Mm-hmm. And there are demographics, Douglas, that quite frankly spend quite a bit of time in YouTube. Um, but that's why Google is scared because people spend more time in Facebook than they do on Google. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. So explain what you mean when you say that Facebook is the best person-to-person advertising mass right. medium in existence. And this is where Google's trying to catch up as well. Um, the concept of advertising to a single person. So, you know, the example you mentioned at the uh, at the top of the interview was it was targeting you based on the fact that you, you know, they they knew something about you. Um, you said biking. Is that motorcycle? Motorcycle, yeah. Okay, so Facebook kind of knows a little bit about you and the fact that you enjoy and ride a motorcycle. Now, how do they know that? Well. There's probably a lot of key data points inside of their app itself. So, you know, pages you follow, companies you follow, posts you like, things you read about. And then also the, the, the Facebook Pixel, which is installed on, you know, a billion websites around the world, it also knows what you buy, <laughs> right? So it can, track, it can track all your behavior and essentially kind of build this data model about you so that advertisers with products surrounding motorcycling, in this case, can reach you effectively. So, I mean, that, it's, a real, it's a real benefit to the advertisers. Now, you know, privacy is going to be on the, on the table here in 2021. Facebook and Apple are having a little bit of a battle right now. Google's sitting on the sidelines, but it absolutely affects Google as well. Uh, these companies are going to have to figure out, you know, how can we uh, maintain this, this awesome way for our advertisers to share data and know and, and present relative, you know, uh, you know, ads that relate to them in their news feeds and on, and on their devices without affecting their privacy. But, you know, the idea here is that you are advertising to a person, not a demographic. Mm-hmm. I mean, traditional advertising, right? Newspaper ads, television ads, you don't advertise to a user, you advertise to a demographic. You know, you buy, you know, <clears throat> time on a particular channel for a particular show based on, you know, Nielsen data or some other data saying, okay, I believe that women ages 35 to to 50 watch this show and that's my demographic. So I'm going to buy all the space in the media that I know those demographics are in. Well, in this case, you know, through a very simple interface, you know, I can target that demographic and I'm targeting individual users. So my newsfeed and your newsfeed and everybody's newsfeed is completely unique to them so that I see content that's relative to me, but I also see advertising that's rel- relative to me, mm-hmm. which is a benefit to the user because they're getting content they want. And it's a benefit to the advertiser because we're not wasting our ad dollars on people that will never, ever have interest in our products and services. Yes, it just I, I, the book was, uh, amongst other things, such a great reminder of just how well you can find the right people. 
And like I described, they, they, they probably like it. So I wanted to talk about a book you mentioned. You say the talking about awareness of a problem, right? And you say the process of going from being completely unaware of a problem and then finding out about solutions and picking a solution is how everything works in advertising, even on Facebook. And the idea uh, comes to us from a 50-year-old book, which is Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz, a classic uh, marketing book. And you know, there's different paradigms or different models out there, but this one, this one's great. And let me just explain what, what they are. So, you know, some people may have heard of like awareness, consideration, decision. So in uh, Schwartz's book, he, you, you're unaware, there's five of them. You're unaware of the problem, then you're aware of the problem. And then you more or less become aware of how to solve the problem, the different options there. And then you become aware of very specific solutions like your company. And then the last one is uh, the most aware. And I wanted to <laughs> talk about this, this most aware. And that's where you say most advertisers start and stop on <laughs> Facebook, which is, right. which is, which is kind of a, a shame. And it, it brought to mind something I heard years ago at some chamber of commerce uh, panel discussion. And there was one IT services guy and he said, He's talking about how he grew a business and he says, advertising doesn't work. I ran an ad once. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> like, you know, I, I love stories like that. And But you say each level of awareness has different needs and they need to be addressed differently. If you sell anything more complicated than an impulse buy, like a kitchen gadget or a toy, it's very rare that you can do all this with single ads. So... They still, um, people still do that, but that leads us to these three pillars of advertising success. And I, I, I laughed and thought, wait a minute, there's probably 75. Nope, nope. <laughs> you guys knocked it all the way down, down to three. And I want you to talk about this, the three pillars, and it's the right audience, the right creative, and the right offer. Bob Rignaris, is it really that simple? It is. And I think what we try to do as advertisers is is shorten, try to create a shortcut, right? We all want to get there faster. We want to collect the money faster. <laughs> and the idea here is that there's just some simple fundamentals that you have to apply yourself to. And if you can understand instinctively how a customer becomes aware of you and how they end up buying, you, you are actually going to have prop campaigns. But I, I think this is where people fail and it's Assuming that everybody wants their product or service, assuming that everybody is aware to buy, uh, ready to buy right now, um, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, if, if Facebook is a platform where you're advertising to an individual user, then you have to be treating people like they are individuals. And so if you think about how you approach people in normal life... There are people that you're going to connect to right away because you have a lot in common. Um, you know, there's, there's something that just sparks there. Then there's people you meet casually and maybe you become friends over, over time. What, what I'm trying to get across here is that you don't initiate kind of the closeout conversation with somebody um, right then and there. Very few people have that spark and that, that like, hey, we're, we're going to become best of friends or maybe in more poor, like we're going to become life partners. Like that doesn't happen on the first date. It doesn't, <laughs> you know. So the, the idea here is, is that we have to be able to create um, ads, you know, different types of creative for different points in time for different points of people. Now that takes a lot more work. I, I realize that. But 
over over time, the the value and the profitability profitability of your advertising is going to be so much more significant because you're you're creating the advertising that that touches people at the right time for when they're ready. So when you use you know Eugene Schwartz timeline, you realize that a majority of the people that you're going to reach are unaware. Um, and your job is to move them from unaware to aware of their problem, to aware of your solution, to be most aware of solutions and get them ready to buy. We have to have content that times that process for each person. And so if somebody comes to us, Douglas, and they're they're most aware, they're ready to buy, well, they're going to buy right away. So we don't want to start in the unaware stage with that. We want to be ready to hit them with something like, hey, they're ready to buy now. So let's get them the information they need. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to put that in front of somebody who's completely unaware that they have an issue. You know, that that's this is this is kind of the the dance that we have to have as advertisers. So yeah, you know this. This becomes it's an issue, really, Douglas. For I see for people who come from the Google AdWords platform, uh, Google AdWords, you know, Google Search is a problem-aware platform. People go there, type in a keyword, and they're looking to solve a problem. So you have a distinct advantage of as an advertiser in search if you have a problem-aware type of solution. Um, that doesn't work real well because people aren't necessarily in a problem aware status. So we, we have to be very cognizant of that uh, when we move from, let's say, a platform like Google to Facebook. The challenge is going to be to be able to time that content based on where they're at in their customer journey. And, and, and I think, again, it, it's, it's a challenge for, for a lot of people. It's a little bit more work. I agree. But the payoff, in my opinion, is much better when you're profitable on your campaigns versus, you know, losing money. I, I wrote an ad once that didn't make money, right? You know, that's, <laughs> I'm sure that's, you've heard that throughout your career uh, or a similar well, lament. We tried a Facebook ad once. Nothing happened. Yeah. Well, it certainly lets me know about kind of the, the sophistication or mature, <laughs> maturity level of that advertiser. Yeah. Right off the bat, we're able to uh, then perhaps uh, provide them additional information that uh, is just a matter of downshifting. Now, uh, you do remind readers of the book, people don't go to Facebook to solve problems. <laughs> I thought <laughs> no. that was that was great. Great thing to remember. We're going to talk about the uh, creative, but also this idea of, are you ready to buy right now? Do you want to buy it right now? It reminds me of the Gary Vaynerchuk expression. It's called the 19-year-old dude move. And what he means by that is a 19-year-old dude, clueless, who thinks he's going to get some serious romantic action on a first date. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great video about that uh, that I'll try to include in your uh, your episode's uh, show notes Excellent. at marketingbookpodcast.com. Okay. Big dictionary term here. What is Facebook retargeting? Facebook retargeting is a, is a technology that's powered by the pixel that allows you to connect with somebody in the future after they either visit your website or engage with your content on the Facebook or Instagram platform. That's the easiest definition I could give. Okay, so you, you say it's, it's about cookies and pixels, so you may want to remind <laughs> listeners what that is, but give us an example of how anyone that visits your site, you can then reach them on Facebook. That's right. So Facebook retargeting is not just for somebody that sees an ad. Right. Um, if you if you are doing any sort of advertising, if you have a flow of SEO or organic traffic coming in, if you're a Google advertiser, or if you're on a different media, 
Um, all the people that come into your universe, land on your website, uh, you have the ability to retarget them through Facebook. So, you know, one of the things that I, I teach and uh, hopefully came across in the book, Douglas, is that the very first thing you should do after you set up the pixel on your site is set up your retargeting. Uh, because retargeting is essentially the warmest traffic. They've already become aware of you, right? They've landed on a site, they've watched a video, they've done something where you know they've seen your company. So that's the traffic that is most likely to take an action, not somebody who's never heard of you before. So you know we we kind of built the book in a way that it goes from the bottom to the top. So take care of your bottom of funnel traffic, you know, the stuff where people are down there making decisions, right? They, they've hit your site, they've read your blog, they've watched a video, they've done something. Um, those are the people we want to start with because they're more ready to buy than somebody who hasn't heard from you before. Yes. And that is yet another uh, marketing practice that's applicable to people who aren't even advertising <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. It's so funny right. uh, in the agency business, um, you know, companies say, we need more leads, we need more leads. And we're like, well, wait a minute, what what, what are we doing for the people that already know, like, and trust you? And it really <laughs> seems to hit them from right. out of left field. So your book explains that beautifully. And I mean, you, you do what works. You've, you've iterated, you've tested things over the years. You don't want to start with what you call a, a, a cold audience. So, and I also, um, you say you can go back. Okay, well, let me just get even dumber here. Does it cost anything to put the Facebook uh, pixel on your website? No, nope, not a dime. Okay. So it's not a cost issue. You do that and then you can start to figure out what you want to do. And you can go back and start retargeting people on Facebook who've been on your site in the last six months. Yeah, up to 180 days that pixel is good for. Um, mm -hmm. So the idea here, now, I, I don't think it's a good practice to wait six months <laughs> to reconnect with somebody who visits your website. Yes. Um, you know, there's a concept that uh, you know one of my guest authors, Brian Kurtz, talks about. It's called RFM: recency, frequency, and money. Yes, um, RFM. Great. You know, it's it's a it's a term that comes out of the direct mail industry, and that's why I had Brian write about it. Uh, there's there's people who are advertising on Facebook that heard about RFM and thought that Facebook in, invented it. <laughs> no, oh. it's it's actually it's an actually a direct marketing term. But the idea here is that the people who uh, have bought from you or visited you most recent are more likely to buy. So somebody who has landed on your site today versus seven days ago versus thirty days ago, there's a, you know there's a decreasing level of 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 like chances that they're going to buy from you. So the more recent they have interacted with you, the more frequently they interact with you. So somebody who visit your site multiple times versus somebody who visits once mm -hmm. is more likely to, to, you know, connect with you. And then money is the third variable. And, you know, that certainly applies to customers. So the people that buy the most from you are more likely to buy again. But in terms of Facebook retargeting, we, we change money into time. So somebody who spends the most time on your website, all right, so money equals time in this situation. So somebody spends five seconds at your site versus somebody who spends five minutes at your site. The person who spends five minutes is more likely to buy from you. So the idea here is that, you know, by, by instituting a retargeting strategy, like I talk about in the book, um, you are going to reach people that are visiting you most recently, people who visit you most frequently, and people who spend the most time. Um, that's the strategy you're going to implement first and foremost. Um, and, and getting those people into your sales funnel 
uh, getting them into your conversion mechanisms, that's where you're going to find the most the most profitability with your Facebook campaigns. And again, that's why I want to talk about it because it works really well in Facebook advertising, but it also works well elsewhere. All these companies that have CRMs and they're saying, well, we don't know who to go call on. <laughs> well, RFM, check it out, folks. So uh, I, I mentioned uh, stories in your bio, and I want you to explain what you mean when you say you have two choices to get more sales with your advertising, okay? You can spend more money or you can add more depth to your brand's story to stand out. You write in the book that you spend more time with clients diving into their story than any any other aspect of what you're helping them with. Yes. I, I, was, I, was, I was amazed to hear that. Is that because they skip over it or because it's so effective? Well, obviously, we do it because it's effective. Uh, I, you know, I, I was a Google advertiser for many years before Facebook came along. It's where I, it's where I cut my teeth. I, I've always been involved in paid advertising. I, I like, I like the predictability of, you know, spend a dollar, make two, make five, make ten. Uh, I've never really been good at organic like SEO type stuff. It, it was, it was a little bit too esoteric for me. So. When Facebook really became relevant, um, you know, in the in the the early part of you know the 2010 decade, it really struck me because I've always been attracted to story. Now I'm not a great writer, but I did a lot of writing in college. Obviously, I've written several books, but what really connects humans and has connected humans over the generations has been stories. You know, stories have been handed down verbally from from family member to family member. Uh, to me, it's the best way to to advertise and market a product because we as humans are wired to respond to stories. You know, when, when you know when when we when we all saw Star Wars for the first time, right? It's you know once upon a time and a, you know one time long ago in a galaxy far far away. Like you you just lean forward when you hear that, right? It, it's it's taking us back to our childhood when it was once upon a time. We, we are wired for stories. And my contention, and I, I think it's more than contention, it's proof, is that people really love to buy from companies they, they know, like, and trust. And to me, the best way to humanize a cold, faceless company is to tell stories. Um, I love when a business owner gets involved in, in her or his story. Um, you know, we like to tell stories with video. You don't necessarily need to do it, but when, when you can inject the reason why you do what you do. You know, I, I mentioned this in the book. I, I always go back to an example. There was a client of ours who ran a yoga training company, trained up yoga teachers, and, you know, struggled to really get people into his courses because, you know, it was like, hey, you know, it's, it's a multi-thousand dollar course and, you know, why, why should I spend that kind of money? But what, what happened was, is we got him to tell his story in an ad, whereas, hey, my mom had some unnecessary surgery. Um, and if she would have known how to do yoga, she could have, you know, been able to live a longer life. She, she ended up passing away. She had a botched surgery. She, her quality of life was terrible. And, you know, when the owner started talking about this, the tears would get in his eyes. Well, when, when somebody is in that profession, you know, they're like, they want a reason why to do what they want to do. And it made, it made his yoga program much more magnetic because there's a story attached to it. And 
when when you think about the way people use Facebook, they're they're essentially sharing stories. And you know, here during the COVID pandemic, it's become even more critical for people to keep up with each other by telling stories of, of what happens in their day and their week. You know, that's the type of thing where I believe if you can tell a better story, if you're willing to be a little bit vulnerable and and share that with your potential customers, you're going to create a brand that's magnetic and sticks around. Um, If you're just there to make a transaction with them, you know, you might make some money, you might not. It kind of depends on how good your product is. But for me, the type of people I want to work with are ones that are much more authentic and willing to tell a story. And those are the types of businesses that I most connect with. Amen. And I was just thrilled to see so much of that as well as a lot of the how to do the creative and why the creative is still so important uh, in the book. And just to close that part out, you write, product always follows story. One of the misunderstood fundamentals of advertising is that many people think, I have this great product and all I have to do is put an ad out and everyone is going to buy it. (laughs) Spoiler alert, (laughs) folks. It doesn't work. So let me jump over to... um, this other part. Uh, so you write uh, how to, who, who to advertise. You really have so many options of just who to advertise and you really need to be really smart about it. And you write that companies love their product and the most ambitious but delirious business owners have significant issues nailing down their target market. The inability to do this is one of the costliest indecisions an advertiser can make. What are some of the things that uh, companies should do and can do as it relates to trying to target the right people on Facebook. Yeah, you know, I really believe that Facebook has made it easy for us, and I'm not saying we want to to lean on this exclusively, but uh, the the modeling that Facebook is able to do and the amount of data they have about their users, the the idea of using what's called a lookalike audience, yes, um, is is really the way that I makes you know if you have the ability to model something within your business. Now, the best thing you can model, of course, is a list of customers, good so customers, good customers. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> let's let's just start with customers. Sure, sure. So rather than go try to organically build a list of targeting, like okay, we want to reach motorcycle owners, and you know maybe they like Harley Davidson or or Honda or whatever. Um, what I would what I would suggest, and what I talk about in the book is go to a list of customers that have already bought from you, upload that list into Facebook and say, create a lookalike audience. And what Facebook will do is, you know, depending on where you're at in the world, it will say, all right, here is a model. All right. Um, and, you know, just, I'll get a little bit technical here. You kind of want to have somewhere between a thousand and 5,000. Um, that's kind of the sweet spot that I found, um, you know, at least a thousand Put that into Facebook, and what Facebook's going to do with their lookalikes is go find a percentage of the population that is most like your customers, okay? It's probably the easiest thing you can do. Now, I've run a ton of tests, as you can imagine, where we're trying to build our own targeting, where we're using different types of ways to go and reach our customers. The lookalike audience probably outperforms the any other method by about a count of 80%. Uh, Meaning 80% of the time, the lookalike audiences is going to outperform any targeting that we can do. And so those are the odds that I love, all right? Yeah. Um, I, I would rather lean into what Facebook knows about its own users. Um, and, and I'll say this too. 
uh, I would want to spend a majority of my time developing my story and my creative and let Facebook handle the targeting and bidding uh, mm-hmm. because they're much better at it than I am. Yes. And let's go back in time about five years. Uh, you were at a meeting at uh, Facebook headquarters in Austin, Texas, yeah. and you were there with about a hundred other advertisers uh, and agencies that all spend like at least a million dollars. And so you yeah. were networking with these folks mm-hmm. and the head engineer of the Facebook ad platform told you this and you're paraphrasing, but I'm going to read it. There are three things that determine the effectiveness of your ads, bidding, audience, and creative. Don't try and be cute. We've automated and engineered two of these three. Our algorithm can do a better job of bidding than you can manually. Our lookalike audience technology will do a better job than you finding targeted customers. However, the only thing we cannot automate and therefore should be 80% of your effort is creative. Your creative is the most important part of determining whether your ad is successful or not. Bob Regnerus, you say that when you heard that, it changed the trajectory of your career. How so? Well, that there let me know what was the most important thing uh, in regards to advertising. It really struck me. You know, it's one of those things that you hear that kind of it doesn't it doesn't resonate in your head. It resonates in your gut. Yes. Um, all, all time and space kind of stood still for a moment there, probably. It did. And what I ended up doing out of that meeting, I tell another story, is there was another thing they kept talking about, which was video. And essentially, that's that the company that I now uh, co-founded, Feed Stories, is, is a video storytelling company. And I, I remember I ran out to the street, literally went outside the meeting during a break, called up my my, my the co-founder of Feed Stories, Brandon, with, you know, we, we essentially started the company on that phone call. Because I realized the power of connecting story with Facebook advertising, and and I knew that that would be successful. If somebody could do that repeatedly, that they were going to have a chance to be successful. Think about the fact that you know Facebook themselves said like spending eighty percent of your time or eighty percent of your success comes from from your ad creative. So you know why not focus in on that? Why not give people the tools to be able to do that? So you know the book itself, you know I talk about the twenty percent. You know what dials, what switches. You know how do you how do you basically set the machine up properly? Mm-hmm. You know the twenty percent, so you so you can be effective. And then you know the book kind of gets into like I you know I have a bunch of guest authors. I have a bunch of tools. There's a bunch of ways for you to essentially kickstart your creative juices because uh, that's where all your success is going to be. Yes. And one of my favorite chapters was written by Brandon Boyd, your uh, co-founder, chapter 15. And it's the strongest persuader of all, Facebook video. And you write that it is the most effective visual for Facebook advertising. And it's, it, it, I thought it was just, he's a good writer. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I really liked, I, I could quote this, but I think we're running out of time. But he talks about the three C's of creating what's called thumb stopping content. So maybe you should explain this expression. <laughs> what is thumb stopping content? And then what, what is this contrast, curiosity, and comedy? Well, it's interesting. So that, that, that phrase, thumb stopping content, actually came out of that same meeting. Uh, I believe it was the uh, the head of Instagram uh, talked about that, and it, it refers to the fact that people now consume 
social media with their phones and the way they scroll, of course, is their thumb, right? So mm-hmm. you just, you know, everyone can, as they're listening, you know, can put their phone in their hand or maybe it's in their hand already and realize that as they're scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through Instagram, the way they scroll is they flick the thumb up, they flick the thumb up. And when they see something that interests them, their thumb stops, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's it. And is it like 90% of people on Facebook are on a, on a phone, something like that? Yeah, that number just keeps increasing. You know, every time Facebook does a uh, a uh, call for their um, for their investors, that that number just is you know keeps creeping up and creeping up. So mm-hmm. yeah, people consume most. You know, Instagram and Facebook, of course, is accessible through the ads platform, and yeah, it's it's ninety percent plus. So um, the idea there is that you you create content that 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 captures their attention. And then, you know, the three C's that Brandon talks about in that chapter, you know, um, are really about how do we then engage somebody? Uh, I think people are intimidated by by being able to tell stories. Uh, maybe they're not, they don't feel qualified. They don't have enough practice with it. You know, the, the, that chapter, chapter 15, and, and a number of other chapters really helps people think about, uh, you know, we're giving them tools and ways to think so that they could sit down and actually do this themselves. And that's the whole goal of this. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, maybe 20% of the book might be, okay, click this button, go to this part, go there. But most of it is about how to do the the part that Facebook can't do, which is the, the creative and uh, yep. understanding your customers. And there's a few quotes in the book about how understanding your customers really well just enables you to uh, succeed uh, much almost unfairly against your competition, <laughs> and so you know any company that understands their customers is always going to do uh, is always going to do better. So I, I can't interview Bob Regnaris without asking about deep funnel marketing. Right, it's required by podcast law. I don't know if you realize that. Um, it is. Say, yeah, the deep funnel makes it appear like you are everywhere and you magically appear at the right time with just the right content in the prospect's newsfeed. It provides you opportunities to go much deeper into conversation with your prospects. It gives you time to educate before you sell. And then you write, uh, we business owners market differently than we act in the real world. The fact (laughs) is most business owners don't go deep enough with their marketing funnels to properly educate and woo prospects. Too many try to close the deal like it's a tender date and move on when all it takes is a little more patience and effort to close the deal. Can you say a 19-year-old dude move? So finally, you say uh, later on, you say the concept that drives deep funnel marketing is that most advertisers underestimate the depth they have to go in order to convince somebody to buy from them. Deep funnel marketing, explain what that is so that people can start to look into it more and better understand it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the words you use there, I, I think it's really a, uh, it's kind of a lesson to those that try to circumvent the way that they buy. Uh, I think people believe that the rules turn off for them when they're trying to get somebody to buy from them. But when in fact, if they look at their own behavior and see the way that they buy, they they could understand this concept better. People are at different places in that timeline. So, you know, refer back to the, the discussion we had about Eugene Schwartz. But if you can understand that your customers fall on a spectrum and that if if you are willing to set up not a shallow funnel where it's like, hey, buy from me, but if you're willing <laughs> to set up a deep funnel where it's here's who I am, here's what I do. Here's how I can help you. You know, here's all the questions that you have. 
here are other people that have used my products or used my services before. Here's an easy way for you to buy, or here's multiple ways for you to buy. I mean, you know, I, I, I rushed through that there, but it's essentially what, what I explained is, is that there's different content people need at different times of the timeline. Sometimes they need, sometimes you need to get their attention. Sometimes they need to get a question answered. Sometimes they need to hear the benefit. Sometimes they need to hear other people's experiences with working with you. Sometimes they need, hey, what do I do next, right? So you you have to be cognizant of that as an advertiser. Have the wherewithal to serve your potential customers by timing that that right content to the right time at the right audience. Um, you're going to be successful as an advertiser, and I and I think you're going to have happier customers. You're going to have people that enjoy buying from you. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't rushed into it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know. I, I wonder if a lot of people or businesses don't do that because they still think advertising is a like a billboard, you know, driving down the highway. They don't realize all these tools and abilities uh, are there for this kind of uh, nice buying experience. Well, you know, one of the big, so uh, think of the billboard, right? And if you're, if you're in the car with your family or you're watching television, you know, you, you and your who's ever in your car or in your living room can like comment on that commercial. But isn't it amazing that people can comment on your advertising and you could see comments from people all over the world. I mean, you know, really great ads have hundreds and thousands of comments. They have hundreds and thousands of shares. You get to see in real time what people think about the advertisement. You know, yeah. you have people commenting about your product, commenting about your services. So talk about like really good data. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's information that in the not too distant past, companies would pay a fortune to get those oh, kind of insights. Right? It's amazing. Bob, in the last couple of minutes here, I just wanted to ask one more thing about the book. Yeah. And that is the another chapter that was, again, one of my favorites. And I'm not saying this... I don't mean to hurt your feeling because I know someone else wrote this and it was David Nadler, chapter 25, <laughs> choosing the best Facebook funnel for you. I yeah. loved it. It was, again, very well done. And he talks about a, a client that had kind of everything right, but they is it uh, they couldn't figure out what was going on. And it turned out they didn't have the right funnel. And this is yet another part of the book that is applicable whether you are a Facebook advertiser tomorrow or not. And I was wondering if you could talk about some of the different kind of funnels that, that are out there. And as I read through it, I'm thinking, oh, oh, it was for me, it was like looking through a catalog. Let's say I'm a fish and I'm looking through a catalog of all the hooks that have caught me <laughs> in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk, talk about some of the, the different funnels that are out there. It's kind of funny. Uh, David David is, uh, I, I have a Facebook and Google coaching business with David and Mark Ingalls who also help out the book. So um, one of the jokes we have is that, you know, I teach people how to spend money on Facebook and David teaches them how to make money. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, one of, one of my favorites really is the assessment or quiz funnel. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I've got a number of colleagues that have successfully used this. Um, and they're two different things, though. People think they're the same. They are two different things. So it's interesting. Uh, Perry, uh, Perry Marshall just recently... Um, I think about a month ago, as, as we're recording this, uh, ran a, 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 a actually, you know what? I'm going to talk about that. Uh, Perry ran what's called a five-day challenge. Um, and it was really kind of set up around a course that he was going to teach where it was a five-day challenge. 
And so, you know, what, what David did, what he built for Perry was this challenge funnel. Uh, challenge funnels are kind of hot right now. And essentially, it's a way for people to kind of like get into one of your programs and be able to like experience transformation over a five-day period. And then obviously, there's a, a program on the back end of that. But you know, I, I think the important thing, I think people will really want to like refer to this because he's, he's got a, a diagram in there. It's like, yeah, that's based, one of the best charts in the whole book. Right. You know, based on what I'm looking to do, what is the best funnel for me? Right. And I think the, the, the issue that advertisers have, Douglas, is that they may see a quiz funnel or a challenge funnel or a lead magnet and decide, hey, I want to do that. Right. But they may not have the right product or the right scenario for that. So David's got a really nice matrix where you can say, all right, here's here's what my product or my service looks like on the back end. And so here, you know, here are two or three choices or maybe even one choice that I should use as the funnel that I use to convert that traffic. I just really love David's insight on funnels in the in this chapter. Yeah. So like one of them is a lead magnet funnel and you talk about the pros and cons of that. One of them is the mini course that you can send Mm -hmm. to people through email. And one of them them is the free plus shipping funnel, which I actually know um, Perry was doing at one point for his book. He still is. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) And uh, great if you want to get great for authors. Um, Then there's the assessment or quiz funnel. So, I mean, again, guilty. I've taken some of these things. And then there's you mentioned the channel, the funnel. I did one of those with... um, Ryan Holiday, a couple of years ago, he starts the new oh. year each year with the, the Stoic Challenge. Oh. And it was a 14-day program. I just looked it up today, and it's a 21-day program. But it's just brilliant how he does it. And then there's the, the on-demand webinar funnel. But again, I think page 333 is yet mm-hmm. another chart that's worth the price of the book because it's the conversion funnel matrix. So like, let's say you're a marketer, and the boss is doing what I call uh, management by in-flight magazine, where they say, hey, I want to do a quiz. <laughs> And you can right. then point to this and say, okay, boss, I hear you. Um, let's look at what all the options are and let's keep in mind who our customer is and what their uh, challenges are at all those, all those different stages. So, Bob, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Well, I, I wrote this book as, as a tool. Um, I, I want them to see it as that. Uh, I, I want it sitting at their, at, their, at their desk. I want it to be a reference guide. Um, I, I want it to be a book full of fundamentals. I'm a basketball coach, so I, I preach fundamentals to my team. Um, so, you know, all of you that read this book are, are my players. And I, I don't feel good unless you're successful. So, you know, if I don't, if, if I'm not teaching you fundamentals, I'm not a very good coach. But the thing that I think you really want to learn from this book is once you get all the dials and the switches set, and you really get down to it, become really good at telling stories and become really good at, at creating the content that matches what your audience needs at the right time. Um, really work up in uh, developing your creative juices. Mm-hmm. Um, practice doing creative. Um, you know, do testing with your creative. I think if you become good at that and you really learn anything from this book is that... You can be creative. You can be more creative than your competition and win 
by being a better advertiser in that way. And it seems like you can write your own ticket if you master what's what's in this book. And I was thinking the same thing, Bob, where if, let's say I'm a CEO of a company, I know we're doing Facebook advertising, I want this book sitting on the desk... <laughs> Or the, mm-hmm. the cube of that person that's doing it. They need to, to go through this. And there are certain parts in here that I think a, that would just even arm someone who, let's say they're hiring an agency, it, it, it'll make them a better client. They'll know the kinds of things to ask and to uh, expect from uh, the right kind of people that are managing their, their Facebook advertising. Well, you know, Doug, is, I, that's a really good point. You know, a lot, I know a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are probably not getting their hands dirty in a Facebook account, but they could contribute to the success of their Facebook advertising if they engage in the part of being able to connect their story to the person who is actually doing the ad account. So you can you can have a tremendous, profound impact on your success, even if you've never logged into the ad manager. So if, if anything, I can encourage that business owner to, to understand what's going on, know that, hey, the, if I give this book to the person that's doing my account, they're going to do things right. But I can get heavily involved, not in what dials to switch, right? But how can I help my advertiser tell a better story about my company? That's where you're going to have a huge impact on the success of your campaigns. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the return uh, is, is going to be uh, pretty big. It just seems like you, you'll be a better client. <laughs> <laughs> or more helpful, right. and you'll be right. more successful. And you're, you know, everyone wants, wants to work for a, a successful uh, company. So, what is just one thing a listener could do today to put in action one of the many ideas from your book, aside from installing the uh, Facebook Pixel? Yeah, I would. I would think that whether you're doing this yourself or you have somebody working for you, I, I would take a close look at your retargeting strategy. Make sure that you are effectively retargeting and touching those folks that have come into your world. Um, I, I, I look at a lot of accounts, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. and I think the one thing that I see the biggest the, the biggest opportunity for most people is in that they are not effectively retargeting, um, and if they if they just focus in on that. You know, this is where you're getting the 10, 20, 30, 60 to 1 return on, on ad spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so spend time really looking at that. Follow the deep funnel marketing strategies, the diagrams, the techniques that I lay out. Um, you're, you're going to find that you're, you completely turn around some campaigns uh, where you think you're losing money and suddenly you're making money. Great advice. And I think anyone that's new to this, and is not familiar with what retargeting can do, it may blow your mind. <laughs> it will. Yep. So what books have, have most inspired your work and career, Bob? Uh, there's a couple. Um, you, you know, you mentioned at the top, I do want to say Perry Marshall's 80-20 Sales and Marketing mm-hmm. is, is a foundational, fundamental book that I want people to read. Not because Perry is a friend and a mentor, and, but uh, I really think it's a phenomenal book. Uh, a couple that really have affected me is uh, Story Brand by um, Donald Miller. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Um, that I love Donald as a writer. Now, I didn't, I read Donald's books before he became kind of a marketing guru. Um, that's why I like him, is because he's actually gone out there and done it. Um, so he's a f- phenomenal author. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the simplicity with which he helps somebody kind of develop a story for their brand. 
Uh, the second book I would is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really enjoy, you can kind of hear if you listen back on this interview, I, I really enjoy listening to to CEOs and business owners really explain to me why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy working with those types of clients that have the ability to really get down to, to why do they do what they do. And, and I think businesses that can address that question are going to be far more successful than those that don't. And they're going to attract the right kind of talent too. They are. And then the third book is The War of Art by uh, Stephen Pressfield. Oh, um, yes. Gee, these aren't popular books, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, they're all bestsellers. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I mean, they're bestsellers for a reason. Yes, and the War of Art. Uh, I believe I tell a story in the book about this, but uh, just the idea of you're going to do anything significant, that there is a there is an opposite force in the universe that is going to conspire to challenge you in that way. Um, I experienced it when I when I did. Um, my, my first workshop, I experienced it when I was writing this book. Um, the, the level of resistance that you feel, you know, Stephen, he, he's, a, he's a novelist, he's a writer. And what he, what he shared with us in the War of Art is like, here's what happens when you sit down to write a book. Or, you know, if you're going to write a song, if you're going to start a business, if you're going to do anything significant, there is going to be a force that pushes against you to challenge that. And the book is a quick read. Um, I actually read it a couple times a year. Um, in fact, you know, as we go into the new year, it's it's going to be what I what I read right away. Um, it I use that as a barometer for everything I do. The greater the resistance, the the greater I know the significance of, of the task that I'm that I'm involved in. Um, so th- those are just those are three books, Douglas, that have just had a profound impact on me, four oh. books rather, and uh, I, I can't recommend them to people enough. Great recommendations. And let me suggest a new one for you for the new year, if you haven't already read it, was, uh, is Seth Godin's new book, The Practice. Mm. In fact, the very beginning of the book, he talks about Stephen Pressfield in uh, oh, really? The War of Art. And it's, it's a, a fantastic book, and it really gets into your head, and it talks about those same things that you just described, those forces. It was the idea of shipping creative work. And mm. it, it was one of those books where, I mean, Seth Godin, he, he writes a book and man, does he get into my head. <laughs> and I can remember in um, Perry Marshall's book, he talks about how the copy that you write should be so aligned with your customer that they might be suspicious that you're tapping their phone. Mm. <laughs> and I, I'm, yeah, that was in his book. And he and I thought that was great. And it's the same thing where Seth Godin writes this thing. It's like, gosh, this guy, he, he knows all the head trash that's keeping me <laughs> from from moving forward. So I think you might uh, you might really like that one. I love that. Thank you. So at marketingbookpodcast.com, we'll include links to everything linkable, your sites, and to your LinkedIn profile uh, so listeners can connect with you. And thank you for joining us on the show. And to the listeners, uh, if there's something that Bob has said or shared with you that you really appreciate, please contact him and let him know that you appreciate him being a guest on the show. And for you, dear listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app, Uh, like Spotify or Apple, all these links can be found by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. The authors are Perry Marshall, Thomas Maloche, and Bob Regneris. Bob, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's been an enjoyable conversation, Douglas. Good Good to speak with you and talk to the listeners today. 
And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. And remember the words of the entrepreneur and author Jim Rohn, who said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh,